3: An Erio's original.
4: Each week, we decide who's to blame for a historical tragedy. And each week, you tell us if we got it right. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith, and this is The Aftermath. The Aftermath. <laughs> Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into this episode of The Aftermath. Today, we're speaking with guest expert Nicole Rittenmeyer. Nicole has developed, written, directed, and produced hundreds of hours of documentary programming, including Jonestown, The Women Behind the Massacre. Her many awards include a primetime Emmy for Outstanding Nonfiction Special for 102 Minutes That Changed America. Let's hear what she has to say about the Jonestown murder-suicide. Hi, Nicole. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi. Thanks for inviting me. So just to get started, uh, when and how did uh, Jim Jones meet Marceline Jones, his wife? And uh, what was their relationship like at the start?
5: They fell madly in love. They were very young. Um, She was completely smitten. He was, as we know, He's a cult leader. <laughs> he was incredibly charismatic. I mean, you know, this is long before the cult, but he was an incredibly charismatic guy, and they just fell madly in love with each other. And you know, Stephen, in our doc, uh, Stephen, their son, sort of describes, you know, um, how they the beginning stages of their relationship, and they was they were just madly in love,
4: and.
5: What kind of social
4: justice work did uh, they do as a couple? And uh, wh- what did they get into with the People's Temple in Indianapolis?
0: This this is the
4: really
5: interesting thing, I think, um, about them, because their work was always political and it was always social justice oriented. Um, you know, Jim Jones was a Marxist, and that is a, you know, uh, not not popular thing to be in in Indiana. I'm from Indiana. Mm-hmm. I know, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you know, particularly in the 50s and 60s. Um, and, you know, he was and he was an integrationist. Uh, uh, you know, some might say radical. They adopted the first they were the first white family to adopt a black child in the entire state. Um, so, you know, they really very much preached and lived uh, a, a social justice narrative and a social justice mission in, in that very sort of old school Christianity kind of way. Um, they, you know, he ultimately ended up moving away from that and and more towards the political and and even came to much later, almost disavow Christianity as, you know, not evolved enough, but in the early beginning, you know, and that was, he worked very um very much in the Black community, um, in part because the Black community in Indiana was incredibly marginalized. And, you know, A, these were people he could help. Um, and B, you know, I think these are people who who would listen to him. There there weren't a ton of um, white people with any kind of, of power or influence who were interested in speaking to the Black community. You know, it was a it was a different time, and um, so there was a there was kind of like a, a mutual thing that happened there.
4: And how was uh, his wife Marceline uh, inv- seen by members of the
5: congregation?
4: How what was her role?
5: So they called her Mother Marceline, and she was also a woman of a of a particular time and place. I mean, you know, you, you might think of her as an Indiana housewife in some ways, um, which is, I think, one of the things that's that's kind of interesting about um, the project and the approach we took for it is it, it, you almost kind of step through the different iterations of feminism and uh, the female experience just by kind of tracking Jim's uh, ascent. But, um, you know, she was very much a creature of her time um very devoted to her children and extremely maternal and um almost selfless in a way um she was soft spoken she was kind um and you know Jim definitely was the you know the alpha in the household
4: so after the family moves to california how does Jim's relationship change with his wife and family? Who are the other women that come into the fold?
5: So it's a little unclear how early Jim's extramarital experiences started to happen, but you know they kind of kicked into the next level once they moved into um, moved to California, and. Uh, Mary Maga, who is um, the scholar who kind of really influenced this project, you know, says she often thinks about um, Carolyn Layton, who who Jim meets in California, as almost the second wife. Um, uh, he, he moves into a different phase of his teachings and preaching, and he moves into a different phase of his life, where Marcellin is kind of delegated to her figurehead as mother of the church. Role, and Carolyn kind of steps forward more as a wife. That that happens pretty quickly after they move to Ukiah and then Redwood. And
4: who then? uh, Actually, could you you, could you tell us more about who were the other women who come into um, Jim Jones's uh, life, and then uh, and, and the hierarchy within the church? How did sex and race come into play there?
5: Yeah, it's really fascinating. So <clears throat> I mean, if you'll indulge me a little bit, um one of the one of the ways that we approach this, that my team approach this is it's kind of all too easy to do a cult doc and go, "Oh, you know, look at the zoo animals. <laughs> Aren't they strange?" I would never do that. How could anyone let that happen? How could you And one of the things that's so interesting about Jonestown is there were a lot of their teachings and beliefs that were really appealing. I mean, they were doing these things. They were housing people and feeding people and taking care of the elderly and teaching kids. This is a weird analogy, but it's a little bit like the Black Panthers. You know, Black Panthers had all these really special, you know, Cool programs that really uplifted the community, and they had some other things that they were doing. But you know that the the that's what draws you in. And if you approach these things, you know, as you're as you're trying to tell the story, if you approach them as a storyteller, like without trying to find that empathy, um, it's just I don't think you tell the right stories. So. Let me just say that foundationally and then answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> Which was what again? <laughs>
4: Which was <laughs> I, I was just curious about uh the hierarchy
5: within the group. Yes. Yes. Okay. So so Jim always had a lot of helpers. You know, Marcelin had that. Had that function. He was not a manager, and he was was presiding over this church that was growing by leaps and bounds. I mean, they just they just started expanding. Um, they go from Redwood City. They open in San Francisco. They then open in LA, and you know, it's thousands and thousands of people. And someone has to manage all of this stuff. Someone has to manage the old folks home, and you know, the kids' school, and and all of these things. So there's an interesting kind of um, power vacuum that the women that he's sleeping with begin to step into. And I don't mean to say that like it was um, opportunistic because I don't know. I imagine it may have been, Mm. Um, but they were also, you know, um, Carolyn Layton, for example, who becomes the the second wife was the the child of Methodist ministers. Um, The Methodist religion has a very long tradition of social justice work and she really believed in this. She was looking for an integrationist church. She was looking for something that had very, very progressive political ideals. And again, it's the early 70s. There aren't a lot of avenues towards um, being in charge You know, when you're a woman in that era. Um, so the hierarchy, some of it had to do with, um, longevity, you know, Marceline was the mother of everyone. Carolyn was, you know, kind of the second wife. Um, some of it had to do with just the favors Jim bestowed on you. Um, Maria Cotceres, who becomes, um, I mean, there were, there were a lot of women he was sleeping with. Um, and Maria is, I think 18 or 19 when he starts sleeping with her and he bestows upon her all kinds of power. In Jonestown, so it it definitely it was all white women. Um, Why I don't know. Stephen, his son, has an interesting theory about that. But it was it was the inner circle was all white women. Um, A couple men. Usually they were the husbands of the women that Jim was cuckolding. So so he would have these relationships. Not entirely sure how this worked. It wasn't the focus of our documentary, (laughs) but he would have these relationships and and the men would be in the inner circle and the wives would be would be sleeping with him. So
4: once Jonestown emerges, first of all, how did he convince all of the members of the church to move and, and leave everything behind?
5: Yeah, great question. So, so Jonestown starts out as this idyllic kind of vacation spot. That's how they're marketing it to the families, to the church members. They're like, oh, you know, you can get away and there'll be this, we're going to create this incredible place of, of, of worship and community and it's vacation spot. But there are a couple of investigative reporters. Uh, it doesn't exist anymore, I don't believe, but I think it was New West magazine um, who are, are starting to dig dirt on Jim. Mm. And the other thing you have to remember is that in the San Francisco years, Jim is actually a really powerful guy. I mean, he is having conversations with Jimmy Carter. He is having conversations with um the leadership of the Black Panthers um Russia wow <laughs> you know he's 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 actually i think a commissioner for the San Francisco housing authority um he's also taking all kinds of money from his his parishioners i mean that's one of the reasons why um people go because they've invested everything in the church. Mm. You know, it's their whole life. It's got their money. It's got their savings. Um, Jim is this charismatic guy who, by the way, is is doing these fake faith healings to persuade, you know, really a lot of, um, there are a lot of old black women in Jonestown who come from a tradition of, um, or in the people's church who are um, come from a tradition of of you know deep spirituality and um you know so it, that made them easy targets really in in a way for jim um but Jonestown initially is supposed to be a, a vacation spot for the church membership and as these investigative reports are getting, are digging deeper and deeper into Jim's sexual relationships, um, the fact that he's taking money. There's also um, abuse that's happening in the church, um, corporal abuse. They are, you know, there are punishments. Jim is also starting to become addicted to drugs. Um, He's getting sort of daily injections from, from Carolyn Layton's Sister Annie, who's you know, kind of taking on going to, to nursing school to be Jim's primary nurse. So all of this stuff is a kind of about to blow. Oh, and the other thing that's important is that there's a lot of um family members of People's Church um uh parishioners, I guess parishioners not the word. Um Members, community.
4: congregants, sure, congregants. <laughs> thank you, there
5: you congregants. I
4: was thinking, trying to think of the yeah, word at the same the time.
5: Word. Congregants who, you know, are deeply suspicious of him. Um, they they start their own sort of political action group that is mm. trying to kind of separate, um, get to their family members and. I don't think at this stage, anybody was really calling it a cult. I think they're thinking of him more as a, as a con man, um, as a sexual predator, you know, his critics um, it's not really cult yet. And in, in fact, we don't think of it today because cults are such a huge part of our, you know um, culture. We've, we've, but, but Jonestown is one of the reasons why. Right. Oh. Um, you know, the, the whole drinking the Kool-Aid thing comes from Jonestown. So he's really much more at this stage of, of a political guy. Um, he is politically powerful. People, his critics see him as something of a con man slash carnie act. And the congregants see him as, you know, this charismatic leader who's preaching truth and everything else. So essentially, the reason they go to Jonestown is because Jim is trying to get the hell out of San Francisco before you know, he might go to jail. Right. And so suddenly, you know, he's spending more and more time down there. Marcelin is is back in the States kind of administering what's left of the church and regular plane loads of people are going over there to build this place in the jungle that is really unforgiving. There's no water. There's no, it's not intended for people to live there. There's no infrastructure. So they have to like get everybody down there to to kind of build it. In the
4: documentary, which is absolutely fascinating, um, the, it feels like that last year Jones is uh, pretty much on drugs most of the time and yeah. preaching. I, I, I believe that, that he would just be on the loudspeaker all day. Yeah. Um, what what is happening? Like, who's running? How has the power
5: shifted? So, so this is the whole reason for the for the documentary. So. I've been around for a minute and I had done an episode of a, of a series called conspiracy where we dealt with Jonestown Mm. and the popular kind of party line about Jim Jones has always been Svengali charismatic guy who brainwashes his followers and, you know, persuades them all to kill themselves. And, you know, there's something about, about that that is disingenuous and too easy. So I stumbled across, and I, I remember sort of fighting it at the time that I was a baby producer and didn't have a lot of power. <laughs> so there wasn't, there was much you could do. And, and, and the people who were, you know, the executive producers were like, that's the narrative, that's the narrative people want to hear. So I found this, this woman, really fascinating backstory. Mary, Mag, Mary Maga is a, is a Methodist um, scholar and, Pastor, I believe, is what they are, um, herself, and wrote her, her mentors were um, Carolyn and Annie Moore's parents. Mm. So she, who are Methodist ministers, so she meets them. Um, they're mentoring her through her doctoral uh, thesis and dissertation, and she, you know, obviously becomes aware of their story. And there's this human element to her book because she's like, this is nuts. I know these people, they're good, normal, decent people. And they raised these women who died in this cult. So, so how does that happen? How do they, how did they get there? And as she's, as she's doing the research, you know, obviously she asked their permission to, to, to do her, her book and they said, yes. And as she's doing it, she's like, it becomes clear to her. I mean, first of all, her, her, her initial mission is to kind of humanize the people who died at Jonestown and to try to get into why the hell they were all there and you know make it a little harder for people to go oh god not me right Right. so as she's as she's doing research she becomes more and more convinced that that actually um and I can't imagine what this did for her relationship with with the Moors, but that actually Jim was so addled, and his, you know, there's clearly some, some mental health issues there as well as the drug addiction addiction. Um, He wasn't super um, uh, physically, you know, he was deteriorating physically as well. Um, He slept most of the day. He wasn't, this is not a guy who can orchestrate and he was never a manager, right? He needed these women to, to kind of run this, thousand, you know, it had been many thousands in California, but in, in, um, Jonestown, it was, you know, a thousand people and he needed people to kind of run these systems. So as he's more and more enfeebled, you know, still, still don't get me wrong, still intimidating, still scary, still capable of, of telling, you know, he, he is administering or, or overseeing the administration of physical abuse. Um, but at the same time, you know, this is not a guy who's like, "Okay, everybody, drink cyanide and kill yourselves." Now, it was a very long. Um, they went through drills, and there was a constant um, sort of dry runs for for um, what ends up happening—the cyanide episode. But there's this constant kind of drip, like a Chinese water torture type thing. Of we are vic- we are victims people are persecuting us, they're mm. coming for us. And, you know, it was reinforced by the fact that the family members, the concerned family members were drumming up, you know, trying to get the Congressman to go down there. Right. Not that they shouldn't have done that. Of course they were worried, but it, it sort of feeds the beast that is Jim. So these women are managing all this and really controlling it. If you, if you read Jim has this, had this, um, that he would do he made everyone write him letters every day wow including you know (laughs) like everybody had to do it who reads these i don't know but so so there's this incredible amount of documentation of what people were thinking wow and carolyn is contributing to this whole sense of incredible paranoia Oh my God, they're coming for us! Um, you know, she's drumming it up. They're all kind of torquing it up.
4: Mm. So the day of the massacre, is it thought that it was the women who actually distributed the 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 flavor aid and cyanide?
5: Oh yeah, for wow. sure. They ordered it. Wow. They tested it on pigs. Um, they came up with the strategy. You know. Um, It is such a misnomer to think of it as a, as a mass suicide. And people called it that for many, many years, but most of the people who, who the vast majority of people who died at Jonestown were elderly and children. Um, You know, some of the elderly were infirm. They were not making choices. Um, And certainly the children weren't to kill themselves. Um, But there was, there was a perimeter established of armed guards with crossbows and guns um, there were syringes that were used to inject people who didn't willingly take the medicine, and this whole Jim wasn't capable of, of organizing that. Um, that was the women in in the inner circle.
4: So we ha- we ask all of our uh, guest experts, this question uh, at the end of the day. If you had to pick a person or thing, it could be a concept. That is to blame for the Jonestown uh, Jonestown murder suicide. Uh, who or what would that be? Ooh. Based on your uh, experience and research for uh, the documentary, sure. those you spoke to.
5: You know, I, I wouldn't say the inner circle alone because obviously they needed jones jim jones to be the catalyst i wouldn't say jim jones alone because he never could have done it without them i do think there's a concept not entirely sure what it is Uh Um, i don't know if it's if it's fear or yeah i don't know that's really hard the reason for it i mean I wish I could, I wish I could boil it down to a single thing, but it's such a, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why Johnstone continues to fascinate, right? Is there's so many layers and there's so much humanity wrapped up in it. Um, you know, particularly this story is like, there's sex and there's racism and there's politics and there's paranoia and there's drugs and there's all of these things. And and I think it's really important too, to remember that it was such a function of the time. Mm. This all happened, you know, at a time when we as a country were deeply distrustful of government. Um, you know, there was Watergate, there was Vietnam, there was the whole, you know, mm. activist movement. And there was a lot of, there was an explosion of, of cults at that time because a lot of people were seeking. So I don't know, man, mankind.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me trust me we considered that
5: it's <laughs> yes. dark but yeah
4: no it feels pretty spot on well nicole thank you so much for uh joining us today and helping us understand um this you know terrible tragedy
5: yeah of course i it, it's it's it, like i said it continues to fascinate i Always, I, I certainly didn't solve it with the doc. That's that's for sure. Um, but yeah, it's it's a. Uh, I hope someday somebody does. Me too.
4: I would love. I would love that.
2: <laughs> this is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you
3: With us today, we have producer
4: Clayton Early. Hello. And fact checker Chris Smith. Hi. So interesting, right? Just a mm-hmm. different angle that we hadn't discussed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I feel like we barely talked about uh, his wife or or the women who were um, in the inner circle kind of running yeah. the day to day.
1: Right. Right. It's and interesting to talk about that, or to hear about you know just like how it, it takes a village. You know what I mean? Like it, this was mm-hmm. a powerful man, but like him being the catalyst. That kind of together they form this kind of nightmare town. Yeah, yeah. Somebody needs to run the books if, if for an
6: operation that big, right? I mean, they had uh, fields with crops. They had mm-hmm. you know mouths to feed. They had babies. There was there was a lot of logistics that you don't really think about are taken into consideration and this guy's all hopped up on drugs he's
1: not running the show you know it reminded me of fire festival i mean it's like not you know i mean in terms of like showing up with no infrastructure like these people (laughs) just no running water yes and it being marketed as like a resort style like worship living you know like that was crazy how she talked
6: about that yeah she's like (laughs) come on everybody let's go on vacation (laughs) i mean we could have put up on the board the thrill of vacation that was one (laughs) way i thought (laughs) it's true
4: but you know something, I was struck by. Obviously, we talked about ego um, throughout this whole thing, um, and 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 it clearly these women were saw an opportunity at just as much as he just as much as he used them. They saw an opportunity, and I can't help but think about just again society and yeah. how sad it is that for a woman at that time, this kind of connection could be the only way that they could be useful or, you know, put their, put their skills and, and, and rise up in rank. Right. Ascend the
1: power structure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like,
4: it's not just like they couldn't just like get a job somewhere and like slowly (laughs) climb their way up based on Mm -hmm. their work and merit, you know? Yeah.
6: Mm -hmm. And again, that kind of goes into his uh, approach early on, especially where he would, um, he was more religious based, you know, egalitarian, so he would sort of dangle that as, like, hey, sure, I need administrators too over here, so um,
4: yeah, because we, we, we be discussed women. how he, you know, definitely took advantage of the, the you know, the poor uh, black communities, mm-hmm. um, but in a way, he also took advantage of 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 you know, women.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I kept thinking. You know, as she was talking and thinking back to our initial conversation, like it really kind of follows this like rock star lifestyle trajectory. Like in the beginning, she was saying like they were really kind of doing good work in the community. They were all about integration and equality. And it seems like, you know, it's like you start off with good intentions and you're kind of a hit. And then the bigger and bigger that you get, like the more power you have that goes to your head, you start abusing that power and it Mm -hmm. all just kind of like, you know, it it crashes and burns. Eventually. It just seems like quite the, the familiar. Yeah. You know, storyline.
4: Yeah. I mean, he even ended up with a drug problem. Exactly. Like, (laughs)
1: like (laughs) he's a religious rock star who just got too much power and then got too into drugs. And then of course he had to like end it with a bang and boy, did he. Oh, Really, and as
6: you know, the times, uh, as Nicole was saying, were a huge factor. I'm glad we took that into the in, into the bo- onto the board, and that was one of our, one of our items on the blame board. Was the mm-hmm. tumultuous '60s and '70s, and as Clayton puts it too, it's rock and roll, the age, of right, That's dawn true. of rock culture. It,
4: it's it's got to be, um, it, it's got to help the community it's got to be socially uh charged right mm-hmm. but it's also got to be sexy
6: <laughs> you know
1: and kind of, yeah risque <laughs> weird it is it's so end of weird
4: <laughs> it is so part of humankind <laughs> like it it, it it is uh i don't know why we we are so drawn to that um Anyway, I'm I'm pretty haunted by some of the images and sound bites in this film uh, because you know they, like she said, okay, wait before I even go, well, let's do both at the time, at the same time. Okay, this is how uh, I'm literally having a conversation with myself (laughs) Um, (laughs) out loud. Uh, There are. There's footage that, like, like you guys talked about. There's the tapes, but there's even footage of the day of the massacre and how, Mm. how they just kind of like started getting people to line up and start drinking the poison and how they, you know, did it to the children first. Like they, they had the and these people were watching their children die and it's like and that was also manipulate a, a form of manipulation because once the children are dead then you know the adult that then what do you do mm-hmm. right? As, right as a parent and there's just sound bites of 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 i forget who it was it was one of the the inside it, it might have been marceline marceline the wife who's saying you know they're crying not because they're in pain they're just crying you, you know I don't know. She kept telling them that the reason they were crying was not because they were in pain. But like, she didn't know that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and the sounds, it's just horrifying. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
6: Very disturbing. And, um, you know, wh- what you were saying uh, before about it takes a village, it, it certainly does. And it's, it's, it's even more disturbing that that this event could be carried or carried out, and and you know I, I thought one thing we missed too, or we could have blamed is media or marketing because I know it's not directly responsible, but the fact that this phrase uh, "drink the Kool Aid" uh, in turn, you know, as as a sort of way of explaining somebody blindly going into something they don't under they, or, you know, um, right.
4: Yeah. Even though it was flavored, but yes, drink the right. Was right. Right. That came out of it. Yeah.
6: Which, which to me is, is a way of minimizing this tragedy that is right. really upsetting mm, in yeah. my mind because, absolutely you know, th- this is, this was way more complicated than that. This was manipulation. This was, Again, uh, as Nicole brought up, sunk cost effect, like Lance was talking about. This was people who gave yeah. their, their money, the their lives, yeah. all their resources. They were being held against their will. Information wasn't being given to them. So there were many, many um, factors at play mm-hmm. that wasn't just blindly going into something.
4: Yes. That That is a very deceptive phrase that it's came out of this tragedy. It's a deceptive phrase that
6: came out of the tragedy and now is, will fr- forever be linked to this tragedy, which yeah. is it really doesn't represent uh, what happened
1: here right i think it's so that concept you know that, that that nicole and lance brought up very astutely about just finding yourself like you've invested everything into this project and then suddenly having the realization yeah what the project really is and that you're kind of just like stuck with that you know yeah. like imagine that moment I can't mentally and emotionally. And then just having to be like, well, I just have to double down. Like, I know this is going to crash and burn, but like, what other option do I have? Right. Other than just to be yeah. like, mea culpa, I'm so wrong. And I have, I'm like, Get me rock, rock here. bottom. Like, someone's <laughs> yeah. got to kind of, I need a new rescuer. Like, this, like, yes. I thought this guy was rescuing me. Now I need somebody else to do it. Like, I can't we-
4: imagine, especially if someone who's already suffered so much. Yeah. Right. To begin mm-hmm. with. And that's why they, found this place
5: mm-hmm.
4: oh it's just so terrible very, I, I
1: very sad
6: can,
4: but can we also just talk about the fact that he made everyone write him letters every day oh yeah it's yeah. like interesting. <laughs> what it's such a like a way of controlling people it's like you spend your time writing a letter to me
1: he would do well in the in the new social media age because he'd have comments all the time on his on his oh, feeds, right? Right. Ew, right. Gross.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and he would eat it up, I'm sure. The letters are
6: crazy. I also wanted to uh bring up one little factoid since I am the fact checker mm. that we left out of uh both of the podcasts, which I wanted to connect Leo Ryan and why he uh went down to Jonestown. Um uh-huh. They, you know, he was there to you know check on the well being. But uh, did we mention the fact that he was connected? He was a friend of the father of a former temple member, Bob Houston. Oh, Bob I, I don't Houston. think we brought that up. Okay. No. So Bob Houston was found dead near train tracks three days after a taped telephone call. With his ex-wife where they discussed leaving the temple Mm. so i obviously don't think you know jones was charged with that but you know you can only you can draw your own conclusions now that we see what happened in jonestown but you know it's just crazy that this guy ryan went down the the congressman you know because of this sort of like friend tie that he had Mm -hmm. connected to one of the victims of this of this movement um and had that never happened you know, you wonder if it would have ended differently, or something like that.
4: Well, I know there was also the uh, uh, custody battle. Um, it was a two, it was a, a couple. They were married, and they had had a child uh, while they were part members of the of the church. And sh- the wife had been one of the women that Jim Jones had been sleeping with. So there was a, a, a question of of the paternity. Of, mm. of the child mm. and the the couple had decided they wanted to leave the church but jones forced them to you know force them to leave behind the child and they were trying to get the child out right. of of the um of cult. the cult mm-hmm. um and that was really heating up at the mm-hmm. time of the massacre yeah. sadly the the child was one of the victims who mm. died in the massacre right.
6: Yeah. So more forces at play. Just yeah. to just to fill in the shading of, of things we maybe maybe missed during the original. It felt podcast. like it was
4: a lot was c- about to come out. The media was on to them. Yeah. They had this custody battle. He was on drugs. Um the the congressman, there were people defecting. Um it, it just it was a perfect storm um of paranoia. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and uh, he just manipulated them into thinking that it was only going, it, this, this was it. This was the mm-hmm. end. So what do we think about humankind?
6: <laughs> yeah.
1: <she makes> <sighs> yeah. Just point. to remind everyone, we threw Jim Jones in jail, but we did give the big slap to human nature, which was kind of right in the wheelhouse of what yeah. she was circling in on.
4: I mean, I just, for me I I totally understand that um it's never just one person at play. Although I do wonder, you know, what came first, the chicken or the egg, right? Um, mm-hmm. when it comes to Jim Jones and and how you know everyone got on board.
6: Well, it's true to and Lance's point too. If you take Jim Jones out of this equation, do these women just sort of spontaneously start Jonestown and right? I don't think so. Yeah. No, I don't think so. But
4: so. I do like incorporating human nature into it
6: oh yeah right mm-hmm. i
1: mean i think i think i think we got it right
6: yeah, I think we I got think so we too. got it right it I, just, I, I still I feel felt, good about uh, it yeah. yeah
1: it's good to have uh, him in jail and it's good for it to slap our human nature and maybe hopefully wake up our nature wake to up. something better yeah, like a,
5: what, are we on, we I uh, <laughs> what are we doing <laughs> hello <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we
4: can we can be better than this yes
1: we can do better
4: so, whenever you have an instinct, question it mm. and then move on with your day. Mm-hmm. That's my advice. <laughs> Make sure you're, you know, it's a good question instinct. Que- question mm. every instinct. Question everything. Question every instinct you have. Everything. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, th- thank you to Nicole and thank you guys for uh, doing this debrief, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, terrible, terrible tragedy that I didn't know as much. I mean, you you hear about the Jonestown, Jonestown Massacre, but like, do you really know the details?
6: Um, no, and and no. as we talked about, there's a huge misconception about yeah. it based on yeah. this, this phrase and quote that came out of it. Exactly.
4: Well, tune in next week. We're going to be discussing Balloon Fest.